Welcome to the Think Rural podcast, sponsored by the Texas Social Media Research Institute and the Rural Communication Institute at Tarleton State University. Here's today's episode. We have had a busy summer. We're doing some research. We are focused on how we can help people in rural areas um, live better and healthier lives to help them live, learn, and thrive. And um, today we have an, an especially exciting interview with one of our current students. Her name is Rihanna McLean, and she is a um, student at Tarleton State in the communication department. Um, she has a public relations event management emphasis. And it's really neat because she just, um, just started her internship at Comanche Peak, which is a luminant company. And um, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her experience. And Rhiannon, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about your internship so far, what's been your most rewarding experience so far? So, um... For the people who don't know, Comanche Peak is a nuclear power plant um, just outside of Glen Rose, Texas. It's right on the border between Hood County and Somerville County, but it's actually in Somerville, and that makes a, a difference uh, that you'll learn later on. Um, what I'm doing is, for my internship, is um, I'm working in the communications and emergency planning department. Now the emergency planning team is responsible for running drills and making sure that everyone knows what to do in case of an emergency. Uh, that's on-site and off-site personnel. So your off-site personnel is like the uh, sheriffs and, and people who do emergency planning for uh, civilians. Um, my job though is not necessarily in emergency planning, but um, I've been given the very special project of writing the proposal to update our visitor center. Our visitor center was built, I don't know, in the 90s probably, maybe earlier than that, but it's been closed since 9-11. Uh, we haven't had, I mean, we've had like a couple tours here and there, some schools come out, but I mean, it's very, very dated. I joke that it looks like a retro Taco Bell inside. So um, it's, it needs work, it needs some love. So I've been doing research on what it's gonna take and what needs to be done, designing new displays, all that sort of thing. So I'm using so many of the classes that I've taken at Charleston and implementing them in this one internship. I'm also creating a brochure for our visitors. And um, I'm also creating an event for our offsite partners to come out uh, tour the plant and just basically an opportunity to get to know some of the people that are new to their positions and improve relations between the plant people and the off-site people. So those are my big three projects for the for the internship. And the neat thing is that internship will, you know, impact the lives of so many people. And I mean, not only in the Somerville and, and Hood County and, you know, the Glen Rose area, but, you know, you have the potential to have what you are doing in, through your internship to 
impact people for years to come. So that's no pressure, Rhiannon, no pressure. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's actually part of my uh, argument for updating the visitor center is that we can actively invite guests and tourists to come and see our visitor center once it's updated and improve, I would say, tourism in Granbury and Glen Rose um, just by offering one more sightseeing opportunity for people to come go and see. You talked a little bit about um, the classes that you have taken at Tarleton, um, but let's talk about the skills that you learned in those classes and through maybe perhaps your other internships that you've had through the course of your, um, your career at Tarleton. And um, what are some additional skills you hope to gain through your internship this summer? So the skills learned through classwork and past internships that I'm implementing now are things like technical writing and public relations writing. Um, and using some of the graphic design skills that I'm learning in my last class that I'm taking right now. And um, those are the big ones, but also like event management, event coordination, those kinds of things. But what I'm learning in this position, what I'm getting out of this internship, so most of my experience in the past has always been external communication outreach opportunities but just by being in this office i am learning the internal side of how communication works and what was really cool is we had a drill on my third day at work and this drill was a, a simulated problem that was happening at the plant right not a real problem simulated and we basically had someone from our department and each location that was affected and we evaluated each person's reaction and the team how the team handled the simulated event and what was really cool i was in the joint information center and what was really cool was that this is the part of the team that takes the information coming from the plant and translates it for people who do not work in nuclear. So we communicate with the sheriffs and the offsite emergency planning team so that they can notify the public appropriately. And that kind of translation was really cool to see and to experience. I mean, even though it was just a drill, right? It wasn't even a real event it was still really cool to see how they took what was coming in with all of the jargon and lingo and everything and translating that into something for public use. So that was, that was really cool to kind of see the, it really was straight public relations in that instance. And I like your, you know, your recap of your experience so far and how, you know, just having to navigate all those different publics um, and also the, you know, internal communication is so important, especially with an entity as large as Comanche Peak. Um, one thing that I just have a question about is 
basically, um, based on your experience, how important do you think Comanche Peak is for the rural community? And then also, what do you think the community needs to know about like rural power generation? Right, so in my opinion, the impact that the plant has is, it, it's multidimensional, right? So the plant is actually in Somerville County, which means that the taxes that the plant pays goes to Somerville County. And the uh, statistics that I heard from the past was that the taxes from Comanche Peak provide three quarters of Somerville's uh, budget. So that's the biggest and most obvious impact on the community, right, is just direct financial support. Secondly, um, I think that, I mean, it's a, it's a carbon neutral way to uh, create energy, right? So you're not burning anything. Um, it's actually a very safe way to create energy, even though we're all, we're all scared of nuclear. We don't understand it. It's, we always hear about, you know, all the disaster stories, but the, the plant's main goal is safety above and beyond everything, safety for their employees, for the communities that are surrounding them, for the environment, everything that they do, they're very conscientious about taking care of everybody and everything that's going to be impacted. So, um, that's another thing is that it's safe and it doesn't rely on um, like, okay, so like with coal or natural gas, usually you have to have that brought in to the plant to be burned and turned into electricity. But if you have icy roads, a flooding or something, you can't get that fuel in. Well, the fuel at the nuclear power plant is there for a very long period of time before it has to be refueled. And so, and they only refuel, so there's two reactors there and they only refuel one at a time. They alternate how often they refuel them so that they're never not making electricity. And that's another way is that they are able to continue to make electricity for our rural communities when other resources would, might not be able to. So um, we, we were also, you know, we were able to continue to operate during the freeze that was in February here in Central Texas. Well, I guess it was all of Texas, really. And um, there were a lot of hospitals that didn't lose power because of Comanche nuclear power plants. That's excellent. And, you know, it, it's something that's very near and dear to all of our hearts because you know, we all live in Texas and we were all affected in one way or another by the storm. So it's good to hear that they were able to, you know, continue that supply of power to those who, who needed it the most, especially our hospitals. That's excellent. Okay, so my last question is, um, if you could tell me a little bit about um, something maybe you learned through your experience that you did not know before, about communication or about social media or about just anything in general. So this far, what have you learned um, that you did not know before? 
Hmm. So the the thing I was talking about before was the taking the internal to the external. I mean, you read about it in in uh in the textbooks and stuff like that and, and you think you get it. But seeing it in practice and not just in theory makes such a difference. And I've actually suggested to Dr. Winslow, the public relations professor at Charleston, um, that she should have her public relations students sit in on one of these drills to see that transition because it was just, it, it's not something you can really explain. It's not something you can write down and put in a textbook. It has to, it's one of those things that has to be experienced because um, it's just one of those nuances of the field, I guess, you know. That's excellent. And something that you just can't, you know, experience in, a, in the four walls of a classroom. That's awesome. Right. And that's okay. the whole point of internships, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to apply what you learned. I love it. I love it. And it's very, very important. So my last question is, I'm, all right, not my last question, but the next part, I'm going to open up um, question super briefly. So we have um, our seasoned and our new um, fellows. So our graduate and our undergraduate fellows. So we have um, Anna, we have Esmeralda, we have Kendall, we have Lauren, we have Shatara, and of course we have our special guest, Rhiannon. So you guys, do you have any questions, um, perhaps one or two questions about anything that you heard from Rhiannon's in interview? I had one that uh, came to mind. You spoke a little bit, and I know in our field with science, we run into it on a regular basis as well. Um, the fear that comes with things that communities don't quite understand uh, in, in regards to nuclear power. Are there ways that you think that uh, Comanche Peak could do better to educate or in layman's terms, make it more understandable and lower the fear level uh, for rural communities, uh, maybe such as a, you know an Instagram yeah. or something that targets certain audiences? So the social media aspect is difficult because we're, um, we're operated by a company that's based out of urban luminance. And we can't do our own social media because Luminance does all social media. So we're not allowed to have our own just for red tape purposes. You know, I have to be really careful and say, you know, in my opinion, a lot because I'm not a dedicated person. Okay, so... Um, where was I? You were talking about um, the fact that you have to say, in my opinion, a lot because you're not, um, you know, the sole representative of the company. Right. Okay. So um, social media is not really on the table for us. Um, my goal with the, the revamp for the, the visitor center is um, besides updating the visitor center itself, is creating um, 
a partnership with the Glen Rose and Granbury Chambers of Commerce to put in put it in their visitors packet that we are open by appointment only. So if you want to come out while you're visiting or you want to come see things, call us and we'll get the time for you to come out. Um, because there's not anyone dedicated to working just in the visitor center, and I don't think there ever will be again. Um, so it would be a by appointment only, which is fine. You come out, you see the visitor center. It's one room. You learn a lot in that one room. You watch a welcome video uh, that talks about how nuclear works and the impact we have on our community. And then, um, depending on time, uh, you know, like for schools and stuff, we might do a drive-through tour where we don't get out and actually go into any of the buildings. But you can drive right up next to the uh, containment vessels and the, the switch yard and all that where you know, you can look and see how big these things really, truly are. And um, I think that just offering, like, open, an open invitation to to come and visit, even if it is only by appointment, uh, is really going to help improve relations and public perception of nuclear power. Because uh, I, heard, I heard a Beauty and the Beast type metaphor for this is everyone feared the beast and you know thought he was a terrible thing when he was hiding and then as soon as he came out he changed and obviously that's a metaphor for we thought it was and so um that's kind of my goal is just open up the invitation for people to come out and learn about it um to try to help improve and it's kind of old school obviously we can't we can't use any uh, online means to try to reach out and, and talk to people directly, which does make it difficult. But I think that this project, if I can get it approved, um, would help dramatically. Wow. And, and to hear you use the language of your industry right now, I'm like, wow, she's learned a lot in a very short period of time. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked really hard to make sure I understood all of the acronyms and lingo and everything so that I could be on the same page whenever I sit in on meetings and stuff without having to interrupt and be like, and what's that again? <laughs> it's important. Do, um, does anyone else have any questions? Going once, going twice. All right, well, thank you so much to Rhiannon McLean for taking time out of her busy day. She has such an important role at Command GP. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget, um, you guys, like and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and other um, audio platforms. We'll see you guys soon. Don't forget to make a difference in rural areas. Okay, hello everyone. I am Renata Maron from Brazil. We are presenting now our podcast for you. And now we are sharing with you 
all about the news, rural news in the world. So I would like to start with uh, Sydney. What's happening um, close to you, Sydney, that we can share with all of our audience? Yeah, so last night I was watching um, CBS News with Nora O'Donnell. And one of the stories that she was focusing on was um, how a small, uh, I think it was the Department of Agriculture in Minnesota set up a hotline for farmers um, to help them with their mental health because um, during the pandemic and um, other things, corporate farming and things like that, they've suffered a lot with their small farms. Um, and so they established a hotline to help these farmers because the um, decrease in small local farm is, is changing drastically. And so um, we wanna protect our local farms and we wanna support our local farms. So um, I thought that was a really cool story about how uh, just a small rural area in Minnesota I think we'll start seeing a lot of those hotlines pop up throughout the rural areas um, for sure. So support your local farms. Okay, very good. I really like your story and about how can we help the local farms and uh, we appreciate this kind of situations. And what about you, Lauren? Um, so I was looking at Fox 4 and they were talking about how healthcare um, in Texas still remains, you know, really scarce. Um, a lot of hospitals and just a lot of centers have closed since the pandemic. Um, and so just healthcare overall for our state has not been well. We're ranked 42 um, in overall healthcare. So it's like, you know, there's something that's a big issue that um, us as a state, we need to tackle, especially in rural communities. Um, since a lot of those places have closed, um, rural residents have had to drive further, you know, for medical care, um, you know, and attention. I can use one of my um, family members as an example. My grandmother, um, she got hurt a couple of times during the pandemic, and she also had COVID. Um, and so one, her last thing she had, she fell out and she had her arm. Um, and her doctor's appointments are like an hour away. Um, she goes to Shreveport for some of her doctor's appointments and she lives like, actually it's longer than hours, probably like two hours. She lives not close to Shreveport. Um, she lives in a rural town. So things like that, you know, are happening all over, but it's, it's really big in Texas. Um, a lot of residents are just having to draw far um, just to go to the doctor. Um, and it was already an issue before. So think about it now with a lot of those places closing, it's a, it's a major, major issue that I think a lot of residents need to tackle and focus on and our government needs to make a priority um, for those residents. Okay, thank you for sharing this point and the priority of the government. That's the point, what we can do, our role, our paper, and what about the government can do as well. So what about you, Anna? Um, I mean, uh, I'm in East Texas currently. Uh, and of course, a, a lot of stuff in the news the past week or so has been uh, about the tornado that uh, hit Cushing and how people are coming together. But I was actually just speaking with my mom uh, who, who lives in Nacogdoches and uh, Woden and Etol uh, schools had to consolidate 
which means that Woden's also having to try and hire teachers in a teacher shortage. Okay. Okay, so, and uh, do you want to do a compliment, Dr. Jennifer, please? I, I will. Um, okay, so <laughs> as we all know, these gas prices are not decreasing at all, um, unless you're in a part of the world that I haven't seen yet. And so um, basically, the uh, our president is basically stating that we are going to, um, you know, relieve the the effort that people are, that countries are feeling across the world, you know, and their dependence on Russian oil, that we are going to help um, alleviate that 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 um, pain on, from the oil and gas and natural resources, and we're going to um, pump more oil and natural gas out of our uh, reserves in in um, the United States. So. Um, you know, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Also, uh, you know, at the same time, it's a blessing because I think about a lot of our um, our men and women in Texas and Louisiana, um, I mean, and, and also New Mexico, uh, a lot of them are in oil and gas and, and, and fracking. And so, you know, a lot of them have been um, unemployed. And so this will, you know, help invigorate that sector of the economy especially in our rural areas. And so, because I will say, uh, if you look around, there are usually no oil and gas um, drilling um, sites in the middle of Fort Worth or Dallas or, or Houston. I mean, they're usually in our rural areas. And so uh, keeping that in, in mind, that's important to know that it's gonna boost the economy potentially, but also conversely, it might, or adversely, it might, um, you know, there are a lot of uncapped uh, oil and gas sites all across East Texas, all across, um, you know, the state of Texas. And so they leak into the atmosphere and so, and also into the soil. So that could uh, produce environmental hazards as well, or additional environmental hazards as well. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, it's very nice. You know that in Brazil have a uh, high prices of oil and gas as well you know, because in the disimpact of the cost of production of the farmers. So, and that this moment we have a lot of political things because we are going to be October, the election of governments. So we are going to change. So it will be a special moment for Brazil right now. It's like a running to, the, to do all the things, but not just this year. I think it is the same all over the world. You know that yesterday we had the, transi the transition of the Minister of Agriculture of Brazil. It is a woman, very nice, Teresa Cristina, but uh, he's, she's gonna choose to be a part to go to the candidate to the Senate uh, show. But she did a really good job here in Brazil with the farmers and everyone like, and we hope that the next one that will be Marcos Montes will be a good as Teresa Cristina. So we have a lot of political things here happening in Brazil right now. And the attention is about this. So that's the point, Dr. Jennifer. That's you know, incredible. It's so funny. Sometimes we can be so, you know, focused on what's going on immediately around us that, you know, we forget that the world is very inter interdependent on each other. So it, it shall be interesting in the next few months. Yes. And for example, here in Brazil, I have a lot of positions that's increasing that we, we have uh, women in the power. So 
I think this, uh, she's the second one Minister of Agriculture that's woman, so she's very good. So we have uh, now in the government a lot of women that the leaders, the, I think, I don't know if in the USA is the same, but I think it's a good thing is happening in the sector of agribusiness. Okay, that's all right. Now we finish our podcast, our first po podcast. We're going to share other topics with you. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.